following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome into another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate y'all for joining us here this Wednesday evening, or if you're catching us in any of your favorite places to catch podcasts, we have a very action-packed show tonight, and it is DJ, joined as always by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, we got ourselves a very busy show today. At first, it looked like it was going to be pretty mellow, pretty straightforward, but a little bit of a blockbuster, some blowouts, and a little bit of everything in between leading into today's show. Yeah, there's uh, going to be no blank spaces in this one, if you will. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a wild weekend. I mean, now let's be, let's be honest from top to bottom. Uh, you had spectacles with, uh, some, some wild celebrities involved, but you also had spectacles with some wild score lines and, um, yeah, everything in between, uh, at this point in time, I, I, you know, it's, I, it was, it was such a fun weekend, uh, from top to bottom. I literally watched too many beatdowns and enjoyed some of them as well. Um, and that was, a kind of more, maybe more of a surprise is that it was so enjoyable. Uh, but yeah, so, uh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where, where you want to start. Well, you know what? If, if For us to know exactly where we're going, that wouldn't be our style. But we're going to go and go right into the tip-off and the tip-off, of course, brought to you by friends over at SeatGeek. Use code Bellia Sports for $20 off your first order. Get yourself some high-quality tickets at a very fair price. And we, I think we got to start with the biggest news of the day. The Damian Lillard and Portland saga is finally over. Dame is on the move, but not to Miami as many had anticipated. He is actually on the way to Milwaukee. He will be joining the Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton as well. The trade included the Suns as that third team involved, sending DeAndre Ayton, Drew Holiday, and a bunch of pick- and some picks go to Portland. Damien's going to Milwaukee. And then the Suns getting a lot of depth. Yurkic, they're taking that contract, getting a few other depth players as well, too. And I got to say, we kind of joked about this. Like, if, I, I remember when we talked about it over the summer, I was like, if the Bucks could pull this off, that was one thing, but I don't know how they do it. Well, they found a way. I didn't think it would actually happen, but. What a move Milwaukee pulls off that catapult themselves right back to arguably title favorites. Yeah, this is wild. Uh, first of all, apologies to Drew Holiday, who literally just put his heart out on the line the day before and is like, I want to retire a buck. I'm sorry. That's just, you know, didn't didn't really happen that way. Uh, it's, it's kind of unfortunate, a really good point guard. Um, but if you have an opportunity to ever add Dame to your lineup and you have somebody like Giannis on the outside or on the inside, you're absolutely going to add Dan because now you have two guys that can absolutely put up a 50 piece at any point in time. You just, it doesn't matter. They could both put up 50 pieces and you'll be successful. And it's not like you're losing defensive abilities. I mean, Drew Holiday at times last year was not that great, uh, you know, as far as the Bucks are concerned. Um, so, yeah, I think this is, this is a situation where you see Dame stepping into a role with a team that is obviously poised to win now. And now you get to see what he can do with a real contender. But on the flip side of this, the the Blazers, I mean, wow. Uh yeah, like that's some impressive that's an impressive haul for the Blazers. And surprisingly, I'd say even it's an impressive haul for the Suns. This wasn't really a very lopsided. Like obviously, yes, it's lopsided in the fact that Dame is a buck. That's stupid and should never like it just saying that out loud, you're just like, what? But in the grand scheme of things of the talent that is in each location now, all three locations, it's pretty impressive to see that all three teams got something out of this not to mention that the bucks have already been not the bucks excuse me the blazers have already basically said that they're going to be trying to basically move drew holiday for more assets as well too they're not going to keep him around they have like three young guards already that are like two three year pros and rookie scoot henderson so they're going to move him and get more assets drew holiday is going to probably go to a contender and i feel like la the lakers is probably a prime candidate, something like that but i want to point out too not only is it damon Giannis two superstar top 15 
caliber players joined together. What a perfect fit, too. Like, what a perfect matchup. Like, a perfect yin and yang spaghetti and meatballs pairing they're going to make, too. You have Giannis, the interior defender, dribble dunk, basically dominates the paint, makes up for a lot of defensive deficiencies on the back end. You had Dame Lillard, basically the microwave, the nuclear warrior who can give you, who gave you 71 this year and averaged 32. Like his highest points per game ever on the season is his range is the parking lot. And that's when he's fit. And that's when he's feeling, when he's feeling himself, he can get you a bucket from anywhere on the court. And Giannis can dunk on anyone from anywhere on the court. Plus you still got Brooke Lopez in the paint as well. Bobby Portis is still there. They still got length. Chris Milton can still get you random mid range buckets that make no sense. Sometimes like this team is very, very dangerous so they can stay healthy. That pick and roll with Giannis and, and Dame, if Dame wants to throw up some alley-oops to the, to that freak too, like, what if, it's a perfect fit. It's not just two superstars make it work and colliding them together, I guess. They actually fit and mold together like yin and yang, tomato, tomato. Like they they are a perfect match together. I think it's if they stay healthy and everything clicks as quick as I assume it's going to be, they are going to be dangerous in the East. I know the Celtics got better. Philadelphia still has Joel Embiid. They didn't really get better, but there's Miami was just in the finals. They kind of got a little worse, but good luck, everybody else. This is kind of like our tier Tuesdays with the Miami Dolphins at this point. It's good luck, everybody else. Have fun. Yeah, I mean, really, it is it is very rare to see that, you know, especially nowadays, the, these big trades that they actually happen, and they happen in a way that, you know, the team getting the superstars, actually, they fit together. Like, it's, it's when's the last time we saw two big-name players get traded, or get one a big-name player get traded to a team, and it actually perfectly fit the, the mold? Because it's really been a long time. I mean, it's 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 been... Been a minute, I feel like since since I've seen it um, actually actually work out that way. So, yeah, it's it's a great thing to see for Dame. Um, as you mentioned, he can shoot from the parking lot. He can shoot from Lake Erie, um, Lake Huron, if he wants to. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun to see what Milwaukee can do. Obviously, the East. Good luck. Um, I think it's theirs to win until proven otherwise. Uh, as you mentioned, the the Blazers looking to move on with Drew from Drew Holiday. So wherever Drew Holiday ends up, uh, they have a pretty good hope for the season as well. Um, especially if he ends up a Laker, that's a fantastic move by them. But the Suns, I mean, don't sleep on the Suns here. Talk about a team that, despite everything last year, was still a top four team in the West for most of the season. And, well, I mean, we'll have to wait and see what finally comes of that team. But I, it's, it's young, talented team. Plus, oh, let's not forget Devin Booker's still there. And oh, let's not forget the other guy. KD is still there. So, you know, there's a lot of talent to be to, to be to be said there in, in Phoenix. It's going to be... It's gonna be interesting to see what they what what can come from this all around next year. Absolutely, can't wait to see basketball season get started. It's going to be a treat. We got a lot of firepower on a lot of these teams as well too. So we'll definitely be keeping our eye on the Bucks, who feel like they're now the title favorites. But we got we got through the blockbuster. But unfortunately, the other thing that came with this weekend is there were a lot of beatdowns. I counted four major beatdowns that we're going to take a look at today as well. There's there there are some butt whoopings, I guess. There's a lot of them, but we're going to take a look at a few specific ones. We're going to start down in South Beach with this one as well, too. With arguably the biggest one of the day, the Dolphins swimming absolute circles around the Broncos. Broncos were competitive early on. It was a little back and forth. Then next thing you know, the Dolphins scored two touchdowns at about 30 seconds, and it became 35 to 14 really quickly, and the floodgates opened, and the backup scored 21 points in the fourth quarter for a 70-20 final. That could have been 73 if Mike McDaniel was – Honestly, if he has Sean Payton, because you know Sean Payton would do that. He's tried to do that before on multiple teams trying to go for 60-plus. So if the roles were reversed, it, it, that record is broken. But my first thought to this is I'm surprised nobody in Denver has been fired. I guess really good restraint on them. But if I'm in charge, somebody's getting fired. I don't care if it's the backup long snapper. Somebody has to go for that. And at this point, too, 
how do you stop Miami when you were missing Jalen squared and you pull this off on top of it? Like absolutely incredibly Mike McDaniel's a diabolical, you know what, when it comes to offensive schematics, like they did that on the ground Tua had a perfect game, 23 of 26 for four touchdowns, I believe it was. And he sat for the most of the second half, two running backs with four touchdowns apiece. Like this was schematic genius. And for the Broncos, uh, Nathaniel Hack is not looking so bad. I alluded to this in our tier Tuesdays, but you know what, Sean Payton, maybe don't open mouth and insert foot next time before you even played a single down with this team that you inherited. Yeah, look, we, I was worried the Broncos were going to look really bad this year. Um, I didn't think they'd have a 70 piece put up on put up on them at any point in time. Um, I thought they were better than that, especially I didn't think they'd get a 70 piece put up on them without scoring 40 themselves. Um, that just didn't seem very likely. But yeah, no, I, I'm shocked by this. I'm, um, yeah, I mean, look, I thought the Dolphins were going to be good, but 70-point good? Eh, maybe not. And Mike McDaniel is just an absolute insane genius. Uh, I love the memes going around that they've traded away so many picks and they got beat by their former ball boy. Hmm. Like, that still gets – that still will never get old, that fact that Mike McDaniels was a, was a ball boy for the Broncos growing up. I think that's a fantastic moment as well. Like, hey, you guys didn't want me to be your head coach in 2000 – was it 2020? When uh, there was an opening? Yeah, it was when they hired Hackett. It might have been 21, yeah. Actually, it was just yeah. going into the last year, I believe. Not sure. It's been recently. It was when, it was when, it was when Mike got his job in, in Miami. Yeah, because that's when Nat Hackett was hired, too, I believe. So, yeah. So, yeah, so I mean, you're sitting here. Yeah, you're sitting here. You get you get shunned by your hometown team, and you're like, you know what? Fine. I'll go to Miami. I'll go take this guy named Tua and just absolutely dominate people with a guy named nicknamed Cheetah and a Penguin, although the Penguin didn't play this game. Uh, and by the way, Devin Shane as a backup running back absolutely destroyed people. Um, let's not forget about that. Uh, Raheem Mostert looked stupidly good. Still arguably like, the fastest running back in the NFL, even at 31 yeah. years old. Um, and then uh, let's not forget Mike White. Two passes, two completions for 67 yards and a touchdown. Good for 6.6 fantasy points in the week and ranked higher than eight other starting quarterbacks that week. Mike, and, and, and let me re- repeat, he threw two passes. That's all he needed. That's all he did, all did all the damage. So I guess the last follow-up question here is, was this more incredible Dolphins or more terrible Broncos? Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. Terrible Broncos. <laughs> you let Robbie Chosen score a touchdown on you. Uh, so, yeah, the Broncos get all of the, 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 the bad in this one. I'm not going to take, take a lot from the Dolphins, but, I mean, realistically, that secondary – did not cover what it's supposed to cover. I mean, I guess you could say Patrick Sertan did what he could, but it wasn't much. Uh, like in real, in reality, that that there was not anybody really trying to trying to stop anybody on on in that game. So uh, yeah, this is Dolphins just being bad, or sorry, Broncos being bad. Especially Dolphins that, being a bad bunch of ban. Especially with what that front seven did to Denver's front front seven oh. too, or what the off, Dolphins offensive line and schematics did too. The amount of different screenshots we see of like seven Broncos laying on their face and different things like that. That's Fantastic. not even a meme. It's actually real. Like this was, there's something's got to change there. I don't know. Luckily they get the bears on this coming weekend. So maybe. Is it lucky though? It's lucky. They could be the team that gets beat by 30 by the bears. You know what? It's lucky. It's lucky that it's not the much Dolphins again. So if you're going to have a chance to flip to try and rectify a little bit of your season, that's a good team to deal with as well. You did kind of mention those Chicago Bears. Well, they had themselves a bit of a rough weekend as well, too, as they took on the Kansas City Chiefs and the they Bears that the title says it all. They were in trouble from the start. They really didn't have a whole there wasn't a whole lot to work for for them. 
they were down, what was it, like 41 to nothing at one point, 37 to nothing before they scored that late touchdown, 31 to three. It was it was lopsided from the start. Justin feels that they he had absolutely nowhere to go. Every like you check all the film breakdowns, everything like that, too. Like everyone, it's easy to point the finger at him, but this one you can't throw when everybody is completely glued, when the defense is glued to all of his receivers, and DJ Moore is awesome as he is dropping that touchdown as well early in the game. Chase Claypool running terrible routes. Cole Komet, which running terrible routes of molasses. Darnell Moody, Mooney disappearing. They can't run the ball. It was it was rough from the start. It was absolutely awful. I it was a, it was a beatdown. It looked like a college football game, honestly. Unfortunately, and the Chiefs were just clicking on all cylinders, and the Bears they did they really didn't have much going for them. Yeah, this is one of those. I'd, I'd love to say shake it off, like it'll get better, but it, I don't know if it will be. I don't know if this is karma for some kind of holdover from last year. I I don't know what this is, but this is. This is rough. Um, watching the watching the Bears play. I mean, obviously there was some some conversations about the people in the stands. Um, one man being enchanted by another female that was in the stands, and you know that entire thing. And that, look, hey, that was cool. That was fantastic. Shout out to Travis Kelsey. Good luck, sir. Uh, but you know what? That, there was a lot of bad blood between the Chiefs and what was left of the the Bears on the the field. I don't know. Uh, the, the Chiefs man were just they came out to play, and the Bears were not ready. Not it was that. it was every every major like incident that was about to happen in the Broncos game. It feels like it got carried over into the Bear, the Bears game, and you're just like, okay, we're gonna see another team that doesn't deserve to be on an NFL field here. All right, that sounds good. Uh, but yeah, no, it's this is rough. I, I mean, there's no good way to say it uh, from the Chiefs' standpoint. You absolutely loved every single moment moment of it. You wish you could do it again. Um, so good, you want to do it twice, if you will. Uh, but yeah, it's uh. The Bears, on the other hand, this is just one you just throw away the game tape at the end of the day. You probably could do that for the first three games, but especially this one, just throw away the game tape and just just forget about it. Let's not forget, Patrick Mahomes could have been a bear. Could have, should have, would have. Good good for Patrick that he wasn't. I'm sure he's grateful for that as well, too. Otherwise, that would have been oh, Mr. Sure Travis Kelsey's grateful for it, too. That would have been Mr. Bisky standing next to Andy Reid with the confetti raining down at that point as well. So I think everyone's a little grateful for that. And – to add on top of it, like I mentioned at the end of the Broncos and the Dolphins one, at least the Bears get the Broncos next to maybe right the ship a little bit too. So we'll see. whoever comes out of that one could survive the mid off. But I don't, I don't know who's more ready for it at, at the end of that one. That's just uh, I don't, I know I'm not, I'm not ready for that game at all. Absolutely, absolutely. And we did have a couple of college football blowouts. We'll bring attention to really quick. We'll start in the Big Ten. We'll go with Penn State taking on Iowa, and in typical Iowa fashion, they put up a bit of a goose egg. The thirty-one to nothing Penn State rolled them. We're not going to talk too much about Iowa because yikes, but. Penn State for real, where, where do you have them in the Big Ten? Top three in the Big Ten, top five overall? What are we thinking about Penn State? I think it's safe to say top three. Um, I mean, I look at it right now. Quick. Do what? The Big Ten or in the overall? Just Big Ten. Oh, okay. I was let's, like, not, let's not get carried away here. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I say they're a top ten team, absolutely, in the nation. But um, as far as the Big Ten goes, I think they're number three. And I only say that because Notre Dame had a bigger – statement win or not Notre Dame sorry Ohio State had a bigger statement win over Notre Dame this weekend in a for a team that was struggling offensively for a quarterback that was struggling this was an important win for him whereas Penn State let's be honest Iowa yeah I mean they were scoring points I guess for the season that was about the highlight of Iowa's season though um is the the 25 per game tracker on their offensive coordinator you know and then obviously that gets set back here with a with a big old goose egg um, in this one, but yeah, it's a, I mean, to me, I look at Penn state and I think they're a good team. I think they're defensively built to, to do some damage, but I think offensively in that run game, 
That's a scary team. But still have Michigan. Still have Ohio State to deal with. And then let's not forget, you have, if you can make it past those two, a playoff potential meeting with an SEC team or a Pac-12 team right now. And I don't know if I want to play either one of those teams. That's the top teams that are going to come out of, out of those two conferences because those two, two, two conferences seem to be just like the most deadly right now. And, and I'm yes, I'm an SEC guy, but I mean, let's be honest. Does anybody really want to play Georgia? Does anybody want to play a pissed off Nick Saban's team? Does anybody want to play that LSU team from with Chip Kelly uh, or not, not Chip Kelly, but Brian Kelly? Like, no, to none to all of the above. I don't want to play any of them. But then, more importantly, does anybody want to play Caleb Williams? Because I don't want to play Caleb Williams. Does anyone want to play Bo Nix and that Oregon team? I don't want to do that. Like, yeah. So uh, I don't think Penn State's there yet, but I think they're a top ten team. I just I do worry about their secondary, and they can get got, and especially going against Ohio State when that inevitably happens um, in what two weeks, I believe that uh, we'll get a real answer for how good they can actually be. Um, but I, I expect Marvin Harrison junior to have a big game in that one. I say they, they're, they're a really good team. And if maybe you put them at big 12, I think they can make a little bit more noise. Just unfortunately the big 10, you got that two headed monster at the top word. They, maybe they upset one of them, but that that'll be a tough one too. But that's going to take us to that last one. They mentioned too, the last one, the last butt whooping of the weekend that will highlight Oregon, absolutely stomping Colorado, arguably the most hyped game coming into the week, even though the point spread yeah. said otherwise as well. Colorado, unfortunately, it looks kind of like we talked about the Bears and the Dolphins. They couldn't get anything going um, up front. They got manhandled as well. It was for Oregon looked like they could have ran the ran the brakes off it after the first half, and then ended up being forty two to six. So I'm not going to say this is we kind of knew this about Colorado, or at least we talked about it when we were on the corner booth last Thursday that the question is, can they hold up in the fronts on the offensive line and defensive line? My thought was they probably couldn't. I thought it'd be closer. Didn't anticipate this, but it's kind of yeah. what we expected. You have USC coming up, which I hope for theirs. USC's defense is much worse, so I don't expect them to be held to six, but USC might score 60. We'll have to wait and see. But I think this was also a testament to how good Oregon can really be as well, too, when they're firing on all cylinders. I think as long as the Bo Nix experience doesn't fully kick in, as long as you don't get that painful Auburn version of Bo Nix that you love and hate so much, I think that one can kind of be avoided in these bigger matchups against Washington, USC, when they play those higher-ranked schools. I think Oregon could definitely be a force in the Pac-12 and make a playoff run. But this one, I guess the, the point differential surprised me, but the result, it's like, okay, I mean, it's the first year at Colorado. We It's kind of to be expected in some way. I mean, they won one game last year. They've won three this year. There's there's a level to it. But to me, I think it's just like good, really good for Oregon, for Colorado. I really hope you can dust that one off and get going again because Caleb Williams is coming to town too. And that's if you don't dust it off, it's going to get ugly really quickly. Which Deion will yeah. I have no doubt he can do that, obviously. But yeah, I'm, I, look, I, I I said this going into the season. I think this team is going to lose one to Oregon, and they're going to go into USC with one loss. Um, did I pick that in corner booth? Pick them? No, because I decided I decided I decided I'd go for the super underdog and put five dollars with a chance to win hundred. That was just like a great idea. No, that was a terrible <laughs> idea. I should never do that. I should listen to my heart. But I said it when Jared was on the show. I said Colorado is one of those situations where. You know, I don't. I do believe they go with one loss, get one. You know, have that loss to Oregon. I don't think they're yet in that top tier of the Pac-12. I think they're still in that tier two B realm next to Utah, potentially below Utah. I mean, realistically below Utah in that situation right now. Um, obviously, the loss of Travis Hunter that's a huge, huge blow. Let's not kid ourselves about it. It's, it it showed all the holes they have in the secondary. Travis Hunter covers up, and he does make plays offensively. It's just kind of just a throw it up type of guy. Uh, offensively, and he can go make a play, and and you you miss that with 
uh, in this game with Oregon. But let's be completely clear. You're exactly right in the front lines. Almost 10 yards per carry, it felt like at times for this Oregon team. Uh, they were getting the ball. And next thing I know, they'd be past the first down marker and be that's when they'd make their first move. It's like, wait, that what? You didn't get touched for the first 10 yards. It's a quite literally was a green blur across the screen um, for the most part. And yeah, Bo Nix looked great. I mean, he had one pick, but for the most part, looked good. Um, there was no real pass defense to say, or no pass rush. Um, there, Dominic got to him one time, and that was because Bo Nix tried to make a play out of nothing and finally got sacked, like type of situation. Uh, but yeah, it was for the most part. This is this is definitely an Oregon. Hey, this was a little brother moment. This was a this was a son moment, if you will. Like son, sit down. Let me teach you a little something, something. Um, and that's that's kind of what this felt like for Oregon. Kind of teaching the teaching the young kids kind of how to how it operates in the Pac-12 right now. But let's not kid ourselves. Colorado is still going to be a good team. Not this year. I mean, obviously not this year. So they're going to probably lose three more games this year. But next year, I mean, let's be honest. This team is going to be a, having have an extra year of experience. Supposedly, Shadur is coming back for that, that last year of eligibility. That's a deadly team coming back next year. So, I mean, I think Colorado right now, they're, they're proving. Dion is proving exactly what he can do so far. I think this is exactly the the trajectory I had him on. I don't, I'm not concerned with anything with, with Colorado. Yes, that, that loss sucks. That is a painful loss. That number does not lie. But now you know your deficits. Now you can get better. Because until you, until you lose, you don't know how to, you don't know how to win. That's, that's the old statement. You, you can never learn how to win until you lose. And now they know they, they've lost. So now it's time to learn how to win. And uh, so if Colorado can come back from this and fight back through the rest of the year. Obviously, yeah, USC, Caleb Williams coming up. That's not fun. But the rest of the Pac-12, minus Washington, minus Utah, um, should be pretty easy for them. But, yeah, those are – I look at those those next three. That, I mean, that, those three in the this, in this cycle and a little concerned, to say the least. So. Plus, there's Washington State as well, too. And, and Oregon State yeah. even looks pretty good. The Pac-12 is just ridiculous this year. They picked one heck of a time to join. It's right when it's the best it's yeah. been in the last six, seven years. Like, well, welcome oh, to the Pac-12. we're going to disband. And suddenly we're yeah. the best conference, arguably, that we've seen in the last handful of years as well, too. Definitely the best. It's, uh, it's the water boy announcer right now, right? It's uh, the last play of the year. Brent can't hold anything back now. They definitely aren't holding anything it's back all now. season. You look at the quarterback play across the conference too. My goodness, like at that Pac-12 is going to be scary come playoff time, assuming that somebody gets in, which we presume at least one's getting in. But you never know with the playoff committee when there's only four teams. I can, they, you, you just never know. A four-loss Alabama could find a way to sneak its way in over a one-loss Washington. You never know. But we digress on that one. We're going to circle back because you did mention that Chiefs game and a little bit of a special guest we'd be remiss not to talk about there for Travis Kelsey. Uh, looks like a good friend, a well-known lady, might have heard of her, was Taylor Swift was there for him as well too. And the, one, the reason we're bringing this up is – Every for the last two weeks, every time Travis Kelsey's done anything, we've heard this. That you've heard the phrase, they found a blank space in the end zone. It's it was funny the first time, but I've heard it a whole lot of times. And there's a lot of new fans coming to football now because of this that are from a different genre. So, what we're going to do here is we're going to help everybody who le- who wants to be able to bridge that gap a little bit find a way to do it as well. Because if you you're, you're not about to ask me how to how to kick what is a field goal, right? Like, that's not about to be the question you're about to ask me because I saw oh. Jason try to explain it. There's no way I can explain it. No, we're not going to do any of that. We're going to keep this really simple. For but this is mostly for the play-by-play commentators who do, who who kind of get are going to they need to update they need to update their resume a little bit here so they can bridge the gap from the new audience. Oh, so okay. we're we'll start easy and we're going to work our way down right off the gate. Situation: the Chiefs are in the red zone. The swift reference you're looking for is Travis is in his red era. Red zone, red era, low hanging fruit. Those who know, they know. 
Moving on to the next one. The situation. Travis Kelsey breaks a tackle, makes a man miss. Travis is able to shake it off. Easy. That right there for everybody. Very easy. Luckily for everybody, I, I am bilingual. I speak football, nerd football and swift and ease. So I'm here to help you all. Travis is having a big day. One of those 100-yard three touchdown games like when he plays the Raiders. Travis, you need to calm down. Those who know the reference, they get the reference. The, those who are watching just for him, you'll be able to check in with it. Next one, Travis makes a contested catch like Travis is very capable of doing. One hand over defenders multiple. Travis is fearless. You can even say it's a fearless era for him. However, which way you want to slice it, there is, there is something to work with for you there. Next one, the situation, Travis is facing a double team. Travis has a reputation. At, if you're not, if you don't double team him, especially this Chiefs team without without Tyreek Hill, you're not smart. So his reputation should precede him. But teams still let him get open. The next one, they do they beat a division rival, or they beat the Eagles, or a non division rival, the Bengals, because we all know those of you, us who are here for football know the rivalry going there. All wins are awesome, but this hits different because beating those teams, we've seen the gift. Know your role and shut your mouth. We got brotherly love. We got division. These ones you have a little bit of something to work with. Our next one here, someone tries to guard Travis one-on-one. No idea who made that call, but they are a foolish one. As we all know, you can't guard Travis one-on-one. And then the last one we have here, the easiest one of them all, he finds an open spot in the zone for a first down or a touchdown, as he does so often. Doesn't even run a route, just finds the open spot. You can't stop it. He's been doing that since 1989. So sports commentators, sports fans trying to bridge the gap a little bit with the new Taylor Swift fans watching the NFL. If you're talking Kansas City, especially the play-by-play ones, this is how you can do it. You can make it really easy, bridge the gap, and make it make it a welcome space for everybody trying to watch and enjoy football, as well as some of the fun references you can get from it. That might be the best segment we've ever had. Um, it, by the way, uh, couple, the couple, right I might have to retire. A cu- cu- couple alternates I'd throw out there. Um, you know, he makes that one-handed catch. Oh, that was an enchanted catch, if you will. Um, also, if he uh, maybe breaks a long touchdown, and Travis saw daylight, you know, so... There's some there's some alternate options as well here. Uh, yeah, no, I, just, um, I I don't know what to think about this this trailer. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna go there. I could make a joke off of that one, but I do. I, I don't know if that's the best hashtag for those two um, at this point in time. But the, uh, yeah, the last one I'll add to that one too before we get in trouble and turn this into a 45 minute Taylor Swift segment is we'll just go ahead and add to if as the Chiefs like to do and score a lot of points they. Sometimes you're seeing fireworks. Other times you're seeing sparks fly. Just depends on how you want which which reference you want to use. So that that I think is a good way to wrap up the tip off here as well. Too, I think it was a very fun segment. But that's gonna take us into Kelsey's second favorite part of every show. And that is the main event. And for the main event, as anyone who's tuned in, they know we like to do some highs and lows across the sports world. It's gonna be tough to top that last one. But we're gonna go ahead and go into. The, I'll go and go with my first one here. The highs I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna look at the Los Angeles Chargers. Should be San Diego Chargers. Justin Herbert, 40 of 47, 400 yards, three touchdowns, and that's even while allowing Keenan Allen to throw a touchdown and help your fantasy team. Mike Williams, unfortunately, does go down. That is the downside of it. Keenan Allen looked 25 again all of a sudden. like the, He suddenly looked like he, he looked young again. Defensively, there's still some holes. Offensive line, still a little bit of work, but I think them being able to get back on track. We're going to see Quentin Johnson get involved in the offense now. I think for the Chargers, they found the groove on offense. They ran the ball early the first couple of games, but getting the passing game rolling at the right time was a little – still had to work on that. I think Kellen Moore's found the perfect groove with him when Austin Eckler comes back. Not to mention, too, Justin Herbert is the only court starting quarterback to not turn the ball over so far this year. He has been playing, honestly, absolutely incredible. The problem is they can't stop anybody, and he takes a bad time sack at the end of the Dolphins game. That, that set, basically. That's kind of what, what kills them at this point. And against the Chargers, they almost lost it because Brandon Staley's kind of a dingus. 
But other than that, I would say, you know what? I'd say that the Chargers are, I'm I'm pretty high on them right now. And I think this is the trajectory. I think that could be a statement kind of win that kind of gets them going as long as Brian Staley quits being a dingus and Justin Turk, he's playing at the level he's playing because he's been sensational. No, that's fair. I, 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 you know, I think that's a good high for the week, Justin Herbert. Um, also, can you just say it one more time for those in the back? Justin Herbert, the only starting quarterback with no turnovers. Is that right? Zero turnovers. He's fumbled, but he's recovered the fumble as well, too. He has not turned the ball over. I believe it is at seven touchdowns, I believe now, maybe even eight. And he has just had a 400-yard game, 40 of 47, while giving letting Keenan Allen throw a touchdown pass. So that's just how absolutely ridiculous it has been. And I think Keenan Allen looks back and healthy. I do think Quentin Johnson is going to be able to fill that Mike Williams role at least 80% of it. He's not quite the player Mike Williams is. Obviously, Mike Williams is one of the best deep threats in the game. He dunks on people for fun 40 yards down the field. Johnson's 6'3 and 6'4 and can and runs like a 4'4, so he's he can dunk on people, but I think he's going to run away from people a little bit more. And he's really good when you get the ball in his hands, something that he hasn't really had as much as a yards-after-catch guy. We saw what Johnson did against Michigan in that playoff game. Get him a little bit of space, and suddenly he's galloping up the sideline like, like a gazelle running away from a cheetah. So I think that's going to open up another element with their offense too. So I'm going to, I'm going to go high on the Chargers round, knowing that in typical Chargers fashion, they're going to let me down real quick. Yeah, no, that's, a, I mean, that's fair. Um, all right, so my my high, my first high of the week. I'm going to go with the keeping the theme of the day up together in this one. Um, I'm going to, going to go Kelsey Swift here, and I'm not talking Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. I am talking... Jason Kelsey and DeAndre Swift, mainly DeAndre Swift, with 130 yards rushing in the Monday night game. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what? Like This dude is absolutely out of his mind right now. Feed him the ball, watch him work. Um, it, the last two games, he has put up 305 of his 308 total yards this season in the last two games. That's, that's stupid numbers for, for rushing yards. Um, and it's... I, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in two games. So yeah, my, my high is going to be DeAndre Swift, Travis Kel- or Jason Kelsey here. Um, and, and, and that alternate Kelsey Swift matchup there, if you will. That that's absolutely fair. And as soon as they got him in the lineup in week two, after even Nick Sirianni said after week one, I don't like the game plan when DeAndre Swift doesn't touch the ball, but two times since that point, he's a top five rusher in the game, even without getting any touches week one. So the Swift Kelsey combination is undefeated across platforms. Oh, he got he got one 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 touch for three yards in week one. I rest my case. The point is he did not get the ball nearly enough. At, and then after that, they have rectified that. And he he looks better than he even did at Georgia. He, like he looks like yeah. a true world. That's the best. That's the best game I've ever seen him play ever. Exactly. The only problem is, unfortunately, he's on a team with Jalen Hurts. So as soon as they get in the goal line, it's like, all right, well, we're done with that. Jalen Hurts go get the touchdown. So unfortunately, his touchdown number has been poached a little bit. So. Yeah, but honestly, I agree with that one. They, he's been sensational moving the ball like on the ground against that Buccaneers defense too. The offensive line we know how good it is, but Swift has been that's there's a lead back in Philly, and it's clear and distinctly DeAndre Swift. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to watch that team this year. I mean, it was already fun to watch this team, but it's gonna be even more fun to watch that team. And that's just coming from a Cowboys fan who does not like the Eagles at all. That, but I love that, me some Jason Kelsey. So I mean, it is what it is. Absolutely. So I'm going to go to my second high as well, too. And I'm going to go to the AFC East on this one. And I'm going to look at the Bills. I want to go. They're like the bounce back Bills right now. So obviously, we all know about week one. Josh Allen imploded, for lack of a better word. That was one of his worst games yeah. as a pro. Defensively, they were fine for the most part, honestly. Like, they didn't really do too much wrong. They had that special teams blunder to lose the game. But since that point, they're the number three defense, I think, in the in the league right now. 
and they haven't exactly played complete scrubs. Obviously, the Jets was a little weird. It was obviously week one, two, Aaron Rodgers and tree, all that. But week two, you play the Raiders. Devonta Adams gets a little bit loose, as he always does. But after that, they shut them down completely. And then after that, you play Washington Commanders, who were 2-0. and There was a lot of questions about how good they were, et cetera. But 37-3, they completely shut that the fighting Eric Bianamis down. They sacked Sam Howell, what was it, nine times? Something absolutely asinine like that, who's now on pace to get sacked 107 times. They picked him off a couple of times. They kept Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson from getting loose. They kept, I think the defense, despite all the missing pieces, I think they are schemed up pretty well right now. I think they are in the right places at the right spots. Those young defensive linemen like Reg Rousseau, Basham, et cetera, they have, they've hit their spot right now to where they can just, if they can slow down the run, they're going to get after quarterbacks. Secondary is still pretty good. Trey White is still He's not quite a lockdown guy, but he's still a number one guy. I would say he's still, yeah, you tr- he's still, still trust a him. tough guy to get by. Exactly. It's no easy. It's not easy for anyone. Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde is healthy again. Taron Johnson. They, they still got some players on defense that offensively Josh Allen has his erraticness seems to have dissipated since week one. We'll see how long it stands. He still does try to hurdle people at an uncomfortable rate, but he hasn't been throwing the ball into triple coverage nearly as often. He's making a lot more plays than he's leaving behind. So I'm going to give the bills the high right now. They have Miami to deal with this week. We're going to learn a lot about that this week. The division, the you win, you're at the top of the division, you lose. Miami's running, starting to run away, literally and figuratively at this point. So, big game coming up. But I'm going to give the I'm going to give the Bills their credit. We all trashed on them week one, rightfully so. Since that point, they've been absolutely outstanding. So, we'll give I'll give the Bills some love this week. Well deserved. That's fair. All right. I, I, you know, I I can can understand that one. Um, I do like that one for sure. Um, for me, I'm going to go a little bit further away from Cincinnati, not too far away, actually, from Cincinnati. Uh, I'm going to head to Cincinnati, sorry, from Buffalo to Cincinnati. I just gave the whole cookie away here. Uh, but we're going to begin again with Jamar Chase is finally back on the scene, ladies and gentlemen. We found Jamar Chase. We're okay. He's here. He's live. He's well. He's uh, 141 yards, 12 receptions stronger now. Um, and Joe Burrow looking good coming off her, uh, coming off that questionable will he play will he not play yeah well uh, we're good um i think it's safe to say obviously he's going to be nursing that that hamstring but yeah no jamar chase man it's about time he showed up this season we, some people's number one overall draft pick in fantasy football you there were questions whether he'd show back up uh 141 yards out of his 211 season total came in this game 11.8 yards for catch the last game 43 yard long unfortunately didn't get in the end zone but that can be rectified pretty quickly uh, in the next game, but yeah, this is that's my second high right now. Is Jamar Chase is just finally looking to begin his season again and and get back to get back on top. Yeah, absolutely, I, I, I'd agree with you on that one for sure. So, I think Jamar Chase getting involved. T Higgins, they he got involved against Baltimore in the second half, had a rough one, but I think once they can get everything going, if Joe can stay healthy, I think that's a great one. Jamar Chase was once again absolutely electric. If they can, I like how they used him in the slot more. He wasn't just outside running fade routes and hitches. They got him in the slot, got him on the move different things like that. So I like that a lot. I do want to see Joe Mixon getting a little bit more just to protect Joe Burrow a little bit. They just get Mixon just a little bit more, not asking for a whole lot, just a fewer of those one to two yard gains, a couple more of those three to fives. Oh, that's fair. I, I, I mean, I, 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 L. Collins is stepping a guard or something like that. I mean, do something. I, we'll, we'll see. They're on the right track considering how bad week one and week the first six quarters were. I like the, I like the track they're starting to get on, but Joe Burrow's due for like a 300-yard game coming up and a two-touchdown, two something like that. So I think if he can stay healthy, that was a good start. That's exactly what the doctor ordered, I'd say. But that's going to do it here for the – we're going to do – that's going to go for the highs. Now we're going to go in 
to the lows a little bit as well. So these are the teams we that I don't want to say disappointed us, but definitely there there's a little bit of distance. And Calvin Ridley for Jonathan Taylor, that would that would be something as well too. I think the Colts would definitely like that I, until they have to play the Jaguars, but that's it. That's a different story for sure. But moving into our lows of the week, I'm going to go ahead and stick in the – it would be really such a low-hanging fruit to double down on the Broncos right now. That would be a lot of fun to just circle back to them or the Bears, and I was really kind of thinking about that. But I'm going to go over to the New Orleans Saints. It's kind of weird to pick a team that's 2-1 and one and only lost by one point. But they went, they got shut out in the second half, and their defense hasn't given up 20 points at all this in like the last 10 games or something ridiculous like that. Maybe those last five games. Like their defense has been on an incredible pace. This year they haven't given up 20 points mm-hmm. at all. They've been stellar. That offense looks kind of terrible. Outside of Chris Olave making a couple magical plays every now and again, they look terrible otherwise. And number 22, Ramley getting a breakaway just at like the third quarter that suddenly sets them up for a score. Other than that, they look kind of terrible offensively. Derek Carr looks he looks stuck in quicksand a lot of times. Like he looks very indecisive. And as soon as the first reason not there, it almost looks like he looks stuck. I don't know how to explain. It. He looks stuck and almost like it's just, if he's not seeing things as well. And now he's banged up with the shoulder injury, which has him week to week. It looks like with the AC joint it might be Jameis Winston season, which could be better. Could be worse. It's that's the ultimate roller coaster riding coming. And then the weird obsession with using Taysom Hill as much as they do. And the ways they use him is just so goofy. Like, I get it. It's fun and occasionally moves the ball a little bit, but you're throwing the entire rhythm of your offense off. I don't think they've ever – I think that might be part of it is just randomly substituting out your quarterback to run, to run some gadget plays as often as they do, especially when you have potent passing weapons and a what should be a potent passing attack. You completely poop on your rhythm. Like, you're those Dolphins that ran the Wildcat, that was fun and dandy for more than a, two decades, almost two decades ago. Now, you can't really do that as often as they're doing it. So I'm, I'm a little low on the Saints because I'm – I'm worried they might have. I know I said they were figured out, but you gave up 18 points in the second half and couldn't score a field goal with all the weapons you have. You were supposed to be. This was supposed to be your year. Even we both thought they'd be a little bit better because we know what Derek Carr has been able to do. But he hasn't been able to do it. I don't know if it's a full, the offensive philosophy. I don't know if he's just shot or a shot fighter at this point. I don't know if Taysom Hill is honestly the f- throwing him in there just completely screws the rhythm even more than I thought it did. Because they I don't, did they do this as much when they had Drew Brees? I can't really remember it. I know they did it a little bit. I didn't feel like it. And if they did, Drew Brees was also a Hall of Famer at that point with more than a decade, who had had a Super Bowl ring more than a decade ago. So it's a little bit different at that point. So I'm going to be low on the Saints, and they got they got to, they got to figure stuff out because this division's weirdly better than we thought it would be. So I think they got to get their poop in a group if they want to be that team that's going to take the NFC South. I'm sorry. I can't, can you say that one more time? The, the what and the what? They got to get their poop in a group. Otherwise, they're going to turn into mushroom soup. Okay. All right. All right. And that's that's a that's a new one for me. All right, yeah. Um, I I don't know what I can say after that other than I agree. Hmm. Um, so my low of the week, I'm gonna go. Uh, staying in the South, I'm going to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I'm just flipping over to the AFC here. Uh, tough. This whole entire Jaguars team, realistically, it's been a not fun last two weeks for him. But Trevor Lawrence, last two weeks, fifty three point seven completion rate against the Chiefs, sixty seven point five against the Texans. Um, a total of 490 yards, basically one touchdown, one interception. They only came against the Texans and combined. You're at about 74, uh, QBR between the two games. Not good enough, period. Not good enough. If you're going against the Texans, not good enough. If you're trying to win, not trying good enough. If you're trying to get back to the playoffs. It's just not good at all. Um, for Trevor Lawrence here and, you know, looking at it statistically for the season, uh, it's not been a great, great one for him at all. 
Um, and I don't know if it's going to get any better unless he can figure it out. I don't know where Calvin Ridley went the last two weeks. He disappeared. Uh, but yeah, this Jacksonville team just, you can't lose to the Texans. Let's be completely honest about that. That just doesn't, that's not the team you can, the Chiefs lost. All right, fine, whatever. But even in the in the, in the win against the Colts, Trevor Lawrence didn't look good. He went one touchdown, one interception in the game. Uh, it's not good enough against, against the Colts. I mean, like no offense, just they're not there. Even though they did beat the Ravens. What do I know? Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's just not not who you need to be losing to in the Texans here, and 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 especially the way they lost. That was just not even close. Realistically, that Texans team just kind of walked the dog, especially late. They just kept running all over them. Um, so yeah, they the Jaguars, not just Trevor Lawrence, but the Jaguars as a whole. Um, that's my low for the week. Let's mention their backup tight end and return to kick eighty five yards for a touchdown on you. Just add to it as oh, well. No, they're starting fullback. Even better. Like, you know, he's a backup tight end if he's a fullback because fullbacks don't exist. Also, anymore. the heaviest heaviest player to ever return a uh, kickoff for more than 40 yards for a touchdown. That's all you need to know at this point about it. That's all you need to hear. And on top of that, I'm going to add to it, Trevor Lawrence could do better. This game is kind of like the Justin Fields one when we look back on it. This one I don't hold him to as much He because he threw some absolute laser beams that Calvin Ridley was dropping. Like, he had a bad game, honestly. And I hate His that. offensive I'm, line sucks. They were not. They were not looking good at all. Too like they. They were looking miserable running the ball. They couldn't get it going. Calvin Ridley. I'm gonna harp back to this one because we both had such high expectations for him. We know how good he is. So this last six quarters have been rough to watch. Seeing him dropping touchdowns. Evan Ingram's been okay. He's been spotty. He's not dominating, but he's been kind of what we expect at that point. Zay Larry now Zay Jones is banged up. It looks like he's not gonna play this this Sunday morning as well. So. We luckily they're playing over the pond. They're going to be playing. They're going to be playing in Europe this week, and we know how good Jacksonville is in Europe because they play so many of the games. Jacksonville's there. second home. It might be their first home, honestly. And then on the London Jaguars. The one thing I will say is Kyle Pitts has played played overseas, and he has more yards there than he has pretty much everywhere else at this point too. So he has more yards in his in his couple games overseas than he has all of this year because for some reason Arthur Smith hates him. So keep an eye on Kyle Pitts, and if the Jaguars, you now have a Houston team that is frisky good. All of a sudden, C.J. Stroud, one of the league's leading passers. You have the Titans, who we'll see. You and I aren't too fifth high. In the league, by the way, fifth in the league in passing right now. Fifth in the league in passing, thank you. And Tank Dell, who's outstanding. Nico Collins, who is surprisingly good on top of it. Damian Pierce, who we know what he can still do. You also have the Titans, who we're, we're both down on them, but we know at any moment they could flip and just win a bunch of random dumb games that don't make sense. Like, it can happen at any moment. I don't – we'll see. Then you have, like you mentioned, the AFC South leading Colts, who nobody saw that coming. You, they have only had, they did not have their quarterback in their last game, and they still managed to survive because the defense has been outstanding. Zach Moss looks like he's back at Utah. Honestly, maybe the Bills should have kept him and gave him the ball on occasion because my goodness, has he been out, outstanding as a true running back? And then receivers, Michael Pittman's one of the most targeted receivers in the league and has yet to drop a pass. Like I think he's like fifth in targets or something ridiculous like that. So I think the Colts team's really good. So they can't, you can't fall too far behind. And you just like there's Tennessee too. They're still always right there in Houston. Suddenly frisky. The AFC South isn't quite a isn't a wash for Jacksonville quite like we expect. Granted, they were like three and six last year, and then one six in order to win the division. They could very easily do that again. I think we both picked the Jaguars to win today for the end of the season, but they got to get going because it has looked terrible the last eight quarters. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's just, just yes, you just made my point for me. Thank you. I just reiterated, and I needed the spotlight on Agent Zero, Calvin Ridley, because I have so much high expectations for him, and I'm expecting him to have a big week this week. So I'm hoping he does as well, too, because he's too good to have a rough, those rough weeks. My, my fantasy team looks the same. 
that too as well. Especially after week one, that was your excuse to have the rest, and you went off for 100 yards and a touchdown in the first half. So they can't use that anymore. Next, we're going to go to another team that disappointed us, the one that's very close to your heart. We're looking at the Dallas Cowboys. I unfortunately have to put close them on to my the heart. Please, they have a stakes like, right through it. You keep your your friends close and your enemies closer. That's how I look at it with them for four years. Well, you keep them nice and close, but there's a stake through my heart with that one. Pierce through the heart. That, but we look at them, and my biggest issue with them is what happened to the run? What happened to the defense? Like we knew how good their pass defense was. We thought Mozzie Smith drafting in the first round was supposed to help your run defense. Like we thought getting some big boys to help the run defense so you could just turn the hounds loose, for lack of a better phrase, send everybody after the quarterback, let them, as Micah Parsons says, let him hunt. They gave up like 200 yards rushing to Josh Dobbs and James Conner's squad. Josh Dobbs went for like, what was it, 60 yards on the first play, something ridiculous like that. They ran all over that team, which is a little concerning when you look at that division. You got the Philadelphia Jalen Hurtses. You got, we also mentioned the Swift Kelsey combination in Philly. We all, you have Saquon Barkley and the Giants, who, if they, when they were running the ball for that half a drive, they looked okay. If you get them to not run, they're terrible, but my point stands. The Commanders with Robinson and Antonio Gibson can run the ball. Plus, the rest of your schedule teams are going to see them like, oh, you run at Micah Parsons. He can't terrorize you quite as often. And then he can't. So now there's no Trayvon Diggs back there as well. Less of a fear of throwing picks. Like, a little concerning there. And on top of that, offensively, everything we talked about with their offense just came to light in this one. Like, it has moments that can be explosive. CeeDee Lamb could, he's an explosive big play waiting to happen. Same with Tony Pollard. But Dak worries me sometimes, especially in those, those, in the red zone, the Cowboys are like two for eight or something ridiculous like that on the season. Like they have struggled in the red zone because they can't quite. I know offensive line was injured. I know there's like no Tyron Smith, Zach Martin. I think it was to starting center. I know you were missing offensive linemen, but against this Cardinals team that you're expected to score more than 16 points. Jonathan Gannon's a pretty good defensive mind, but we're not expecting that. Now there's from the Cowboys. I'm just a little bit disappointed. I'm not saying the season's over, obviously, but a lot of the concerns that we talked about kind of came to fruition in the game. We least expected it. So they'll be fine. They'll bounce back, but this week they're kind of low on the list with the way they performed offensively and run defense wise. Josh Dobbs, part-time NFL quarterback, full-time rocket scientist, absolutely torched him and even made a TikTok joking about it afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. That TikTok was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I just, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw a stat out here for you. Uh, I'm going to let you do with this what you will. But since 2005, the Cowboys have played the Cardinals 10 times. Um, if you had to guess, how many times do you think the Cowboys have won against the Cardinals in those 10 games? I'm going to say once. That You think the Cowboys have only won one time? I'm going to go with one because I think it's going to be something dramatic. It's three. They won three oh, times. So I was, you know, I was uh, closer so than I thought I was. <laughs> the last victory being 2017, 28-17. Uh, Two of those losses came in overtime. Uh, but in the majority of the games, it has been one to two scores, um, unless the Cowboys won, in which case that it was usually more. Uh, but that was early 2000s Cowboys. Yeah, it's not been a good thing with the Cardinals. I mean, we're talking an old school rivalry. If you guys remember the old NFL days, these two used to be in a division together. Uh, it was a big deal. They are a rivalry, played 92 times, including one postseason game. Um, all time, the Cowboys lead the series. But the last decade has not been friendly for the Cowboys, and and this was bad like from the from the get go. As soon as I saw them warming up, and I saw Dak doing his thing, he didn't look right. Something didn't feel right, and it was just like, oh, this is not going to be good. This is not going to be good. Um, so and lo and behold, the rocket scientist put on the afterburners, and 
took off down the sideline for 60 yards on the first place. So I was like, all right, well, I'm turning this game off. Um, but yeah, no, this is awful situation for the Cowboys. And they're exactly who I thought they would be. Um, at the end of the day, they're exactly who I thought they'd be. There's no surprise to me that they'd lose the Cardinals because of course they would. After starting the season 2-0, what better way to let everybody down again and drive that stake further into my heart than to just lose the Cardinals? So yeah, no, this is a yeah tough one, tough one for for a lot of reasons. But yeah, it's a yeah, we'll go, we'll we'll just leave it at that. I thought to you is how do you how do you think their chances are for bouncing back? Like, do you think this is something that lingers a little bit, or do you think this is something that's gonna? Do you think that's something that's just gonna be in the rearview mirror? I mean, you got the Patriots next with and then the 49ers. So there's not exactly an easy bounce back game to the Patriots. We know what they could do defensively as long as Mac Jones isn't sack tapping people or doing or twisting ankles. They could be competitive. And then of course we know the 49ers. So do you think do you think two and two and three is a realistic possibility here? Or do you think they're gonna they're gonna right ship against the the Patriots pretty quickly? No, I think we fine. Um, at the end of the day, I, uh, you know, I think it's it's one of those things at the end of the day that this is just the team that has their their number, if you will. This is the team that always lives in their mind. This is the team they always want to think about. Uh, I don't know what it is about playing Arizona. They just they struggle lately. Um, so it, it's it's just one of those things. I don't think it's, it's going to be a long term hindrance. I think it's going to be one that, yeah, you, you move forward, turn the page, and and you'll be fine. Um, you know, not every game can be a love story, I guess, is the best way I could put it. Not not at all, too. Sometimes sometimes one person's hero is another person's anti-hero. But that's going to do for my low, Kelsey. You got the last low for us. Wrap it up. What are you low on for? What's your last low for the week? Ah, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Hmm. You want to talk about a disappointing team right now. Kirk Cousins leads, second, sorry, leads the league in passing yards for the season. The Vikings as a whole is our second in the NFL in passing behind because Mike White for 66 yards, 67 mm-hmm. yards. Um, so the Dolphins have that team lead. They Kirk Cousins is also leading the league in passing touchdowns with nine. Only has two turnovers. Kirk Cousins. And yet this Vikings team has zero wins. I, at this point in time, I don't know how to explain it. I, I I don't know what is going on. I don't know what type of voodoo is being played in Minnesota. I thought that only happened in New Orleans, but I was wrong. Um, the North is the North is no no place to joke with. I mean, the the White Walkers are out and and they're taking the Vikings for for a ride at this point in time is what it seems like. It's it's not a pretty sight in Minnesota, man. I I want to be. I want to. I want to hope they do well. I mean, we're talking about a team I picked to do pretty well this season. And it's just every time I watch them play, I just get more and more disappointed by some part of their team. And it's not necessarily their defense or anything. Right now, it's the biggest issue they have is they can't run the ball. They are second worst rushing team in the league. They have 107, 108 total rushing yards in the season. That's not good. Um, you don't, you can't convert in short, short yard situations if that's your amount of rushing yards. You can't convert in red zone and and goal to go and, and those type of situations if you can't run the ball. So, uh, yeah, you look at this team and you just question what they're going to do next and how they're going to fix it. Because overall, their defense is actually, I was looking at the, stat, the stats for it, lowest rank in anything is 25th, highest rank is 17th, right there, middle of the pack, better than what I expected them to be right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough situation for the Vikings, but you got to figure it out. You got to get it together. Your division is winnable. It's very winnable. Uh, it's just a matter of, 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 you know, figuring it out at this, uh, at this point in time. I just don't know. 
I don't know who's going to be the one to figure it out and who's going to be the one that, that gets it going for this team, but somebody's got to figure it out. Somebody's got to be the mastermind behind the Vikings resurgence. Defensively, they've been better than last year, but the problem is last year is so bad. You, we, you needed them to be like closer to 20 as the lowest rank, like 19 to 20th all across the board. And then, as you mentioned, got to learn how to run the ball. It's Cam Akers season now, and we've made a lot of pop culture references. So I'm going to make one more today. If you've seen the movie for Friday Night Lights, Cover the points, roll with it, no more fumbles. Roll with it, Billingsley, no more fumbles, because they had, what, four fumbles against the, the Eagles alone? And then yeah. uh, they also fumbled away week one on top of it against the Buccaneers with multiple fumbles. And then against the Chargers, I don't think that is much of a fumbling issue. That was just a shootout in which Herbert just did a little bit and can't just did a little bit more, so I don't fault them as much for that one. But those first two games, the game's in the palm of your hands, and you fumbled it away. Like, you literally fumbled it away, so you – like you mentioned, Kirk only a couple of turnovers, just a couple of picks. When you've thrown as much as he has, it's really good, considering that it is yeah, all on Kirk. 136 passing attempts. I'm oh, sorry, 90, 96, sorry, 96 passing attempts. My bad. It's all on his shoulders nonstop. There is no threat of a run, as you mentioned. He's done He's done as well as you could ask for, really. Problem is, when you every time you hand the ball off, it's either a gain of zero or a turnover. you got to cover the points and roll with it. Let Cam Akers get in there. Alexander Madison's okay, but like it hasn't. He's better as that complimentary back like it was with Dalvin Cook. He's, he shouldn't be your one back. We know what Cam Akers could do if he's healthy. Get him out there and see what happens. Your offensive line is not very good. Maybe Cam Akers is used to bulldozing forward. He can get a little bit going. So I agree with you. The Vikings, if they end up owning fourth, they should trade Kirk Cousins. Like you're not, he's, his contract's up at this point. You might as well try and tank and have a Caleb Williams to Justin Jefferson connection to just terrorize people at that point. Like it's. Let's send him to the Jets or something. Give the Jets the false hope that they're going to make a playoff run with Kirk, Kirk, which they actually might. You never know. But I just, at this point, I don't know. I don't know what the fix is. I don't think there's a fix right now unless the defense flips a switch like the Lions did last year. And then at the yeah, same unless, time, unless that defense can turn into an absolute top 10 defense, there's no chance. And then if Cam Akers suddenly can get just you like five yards off the run game. Exactly. If they can somehow develop that run game, Madison gets going as, the, as a complimentary back. Cam Akers looks like, Cam Akers with the Rams before he got put in the doghouse and they don't quit fumbling the ball, then maybe. I mean, the North is kind of up for grabs in a way, depending on what happens on Thursday with the Lions and the Packers. Someone's going to go to three to one in that. So that's that's tough to come back from if you end up 0 3, 0 and 4, but I won't rule anything out yet. But I agree with you. The Vikings have been, eh, there's a lot, there's a lot of work to do there still. Just to correct the stat, it was 138 passing attempts for Kirk and 96 completions. Sorry. So. You'll take that. It, it preferably that's like four weeks or even five weeks. You don't like that for three weeks, considering yeah. that. I mean, ideally, you don't want to throw the ball that many times in three weeks. But look, when that's all you have because your your you know run game can't do anything, it's not great. And then also, he's one of the more pressured quarterbacks in the league as well. So that's part of it as well. And yeah, there's a lot of concerns in Minnesota, but they'll figure it out. I, I you know, can't happen forever, right? That's uh, that's. That's what the what the what the history tells you is you can't be the bad one forever. Eventually you'll be the lucky one. I don't it's just a matter of figuring out when. I still stand by Trey Kirk Cousins to the Jets and get that first round pick that the Jets are going to be able to keep because of Air and Rogers thing. See if you can catch a desperate Jets team that is still kind of riding high off of hard knocks and the expectations that think they can still make that run. Kirk Cousins is done at the end of the year, so you can bring back Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings, you not so blatantly obviously start tanking. And then you go in and get Caleb Williams or Drake May, and suddenly Justin Jefferson's going to break so many more records than he already has, and it's going to be absolutely ridiculous. But I don't condone yeah. it, though. I don't condone it. I'm just throwing ideas out there. Just yeah. don't. Or in typical fashion, you stink but not don't stink enough, and you trade for Justin Fields from the Bears, and suddenly Justin Fields looks like Dante Culpepper. I don't know. Just because just that'd be the most Bears thing to do on top of it. 
Yeah, that would be. I, I, at the end of the day, I just hope there's no woulda, coulda, shouldas in uh, coming out of Minnesota at the end of the day. Uh, this is there's too too much talent on that offense to watch it all just disappear. All right, here's a here's a random conspiracy theory tinfoil thing. Let's say they're terrible this year and win like four games. What if Justin Jefferson says, "Nah, I'm not resigning with you," and so going to the Bengals in a couple of years to rejoin Jamar and Joe Burrow? You have the Cincinnati LSU Tigers. I don't like it because that means T. Higgins isn't there anymore, and that's yeah, sad to me. He's not going to be there anymore anyway. But I know, but the Cowboys can sign him, and that'd be great. Who's going to throw on the ball? I'll do it. <laughs> it's easy. To, it's easy to throw to T. Higgins. Just throw it up. Just it, put it air is. under it and watch it happen. Go, go bring back Will Greer. Just throw an alley oop at this point too. Just go go get Luca. He right. can throw a straight nine. Let T. Higgins dunk on people at that point. Okay. I'll be the man. I don't care. I'll, I'll do what I got. I'll do what I got to do. You know, we'll give give you a few warm up arms too. You can you can have your showcase at the fancy football expo next year too. Get that shoulder nice and loose in the order next year and put throw some yeah. dimes. There you go. There you go. That'll be that's, that's, that'll be that'll be how I show out. That that'll or be when blow you're, out my arm. Two things can be true. They just don't have to know what's blown out. But that's gonna do it here for the main event. Now it's gonna take us into Kelsey's favorite part of every show. That is the tip. That is the that's crunch time. Brought to you by Out Outlier. Go to outlier.bet backs backslash high level sports get yourself a free seven-day trial bet smarter not harder win yourself some money and speaking of money i'm going to keep my mini rant here quick sweet and to the point we all know sports agents are always looking out for their clients as they always should but they need to they need to stay off of any sort of social media they need to they need to chill a little bit we saw with jonathan taylor's agent just go look at his profile that's all you need to know at this point go check his lights go check things as he's you look at his profile picture and that tells you enough look at some of the interviews he's done in the past as an mma agent and then going after going at it with Jim Mercer in a public forum like that. And then just recently this last week, Deshaun Watson's agent or a member of his team going at it with people all over blocking people and going out of his way to find people and basically get intervened on that. So sports agents, sports representation of team of players, they need to just still represent your client, get them the most money you can, but you don't need to try and be there. You don't need to be the online warriors on top of it. It makes you look kind of ridiculous, honestly. And going on a especially when you go on a blocking spree one week when you have a bad game. Then the next week, they these guys come out of the woodwork and are suddenly almost feel like burner accounts if you didn't know better. So I'm going to say sports agents and player representation leave the online warriors to the the bot accounts and the and the no lifers. Let them kind of handle that. You don't need to be doing that. You have much more important things to worry about than Twitter feuding with some with other people. So that's just my two senses that they need. It was a simpler time when they couldn't when they when it was like Drew Rosenhaus was considered the controversial agent just because he had To as a client. And, and that he basically got his guys what they wanted and owners didn't like it. It was a simpler time when that was considered the controversial agent where now we got anyone who's been on Twitter X or anything like that. You can go see, you can go see some of the agents poking around with sticking their hands where they don't need to be, which is sometimes the MO, but that's all I have. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave that one as it is to just let do your thing behind the scenes. Like you're supposed to, and just leave it at that. You don't need to be going full extra. Well, that's fair. Um, yeah. I'm going to kind of play off that a little bit. Uh, with mine, the social media side of things. And I'm going to jump over to Jabari Parker's uh, take on the NBA and the de-evolution of the NBA. He has some really, really interesting takes on the NBA, and I, I agree with a lot of them. And that's stuff I've complained about a lot with the NBA lately. Um, to break it down, um, shout-out to at Ball Don't Stop on, on X. They uh, you know broke down his entire take on it. But ba- basically, Jabari Parker, what he said is the NBA by far has the best talent in the world, but the game took a hit. And he outlines a bunch of different points, but these points being analytics made teams play to patterns. Veterans got pushed out of the league. Only stars can take mid-range jump shots. That's a very important one. Post play got completely eliminated. League went too young, 
too fast. The rules are now softer than ever. Scoring is very inflated, of course. Non-three-point shooters are taking threes and being forced to take more threes. Games are too up and down, so too quickly up and down the court, not enough defense. And in that vein, defensive players often disabled for that exact reason. Um, Hard to keep up night to night with that type of grind for the 82 games. And then only four to six real contenders every year. That's very true. I mean, that's realistically, I feel like you, you have some teams that can surprise, but you never have a team that surprises really make that push late into the year. Um, and then owners power versus stars power. There is obviously still a disconnect between everything else there. Um, but LeBron is the exception to that rule probably. But then you also have no teams have a core for three to four years. You used to see it all the time. Now you, what that you had the warriors and is the longest core you've had together for really any team right now in the league. Um, I guess you could say bam and, and the Heat maybe are, are pushing three years, but that's uh, yeah. There's not a, not enough of a core there, um, and so the, he's got an exact point with that. Way too much player movement for that exact reason we just talked about. No team has a core. Look at KD, one of the greatest players in the league, has played how many different teams in the last three years? Exactly. Um, individualization of the game, obviously, yes. Uh, free agency trades equals too hyped. Free agency and trades are too hyped. We, I mean, we've literally done shows just based off of free agency, so. Yeah, yeah, we did kind of feed into the hype of that, but it's true. I mean, we're talking about dudes that don't deserve to make hundreds of millions of dollars are are making six figure con- or eight figure contracts like it's no big deal nowadays um, for a year and it's guaranteed. Uh, so not a good look there. And the last one, and this one, I wholeheartedly agree with. And DJ, we've talked about this when we were color casting games. Most NBA analysis is gossips or debates not actual analysis of the game. And that's something that we always tried to do when we talked about it on ColorCast. We always tried to break down what made a team different. The high pick and roll, the off-ball movement, what makes them so unique in the way they play. We talk about with the Bucks all the time, that high-low ability when you had Drew Holiday actually hitting his threes versus Giannis attacking the rim, him to be able to play out. Those type of things are really left out a lot of the, the, the major analysis nowadays, especially talking heads. So Jabari Parker, surprisingly, with some heat that I enjoyed on the NBA on this de-evolution. Uh, so, yeah, I, I got to say that was a, a surprising read for me this year, this week. Oh, yeah. I, you and I agree on that 100% and not trying to sound like the old head or anything on top of that. But you look at it, too, more of it is spent on having stars leave where they're at, too. There's a lot of talk about going to a bigger market and leaving where they're at as yeah. opposed to – or then comparing past players to current players and said that sort of thing. It's a – or if it's you don't have rings, you're not good. Almost is what it feels like yeah. as well. There's a and here's uh, here's yeah. to, to that point. Uh, there's something about that point that bothers me, and we've talked about this before. You and I have, based off of our, you know, interest in journalism and 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 you know that type of thing. DMAs, d- markets, major market areas. Every NBA team is within a top 100 market. You're in a top 100 guaranteed. Most of them are. T- I think actually every single one is a top 50 market, if I'm not mistaken. I think the closest is Milwaukee. At sixty now, I think, but then I think that you're in the top fifty. Yeah, I want to say I thought. So, every single every single NBA team is in the is in is in the top fifty. So there's not very many big markets you can go to. Like you, okay, yeah, everyone wants to go to New York. Everyone wants to go to Boston. Call it New York and Boston. Don't call it a bigger market. That's not the point here. There's no small market teams realistically. So yeah, that's uh, before we get on that topic. I'm just going to stop there. But yeah, that's. There's a lot to, 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 to break down with this NBA de-evolution de- commentary, but Jabari Parker, and I appreciate it. It was something unique to see. And and from a guy like you don't really think about with Jabari, I mean, obviously a guy that 
had all the talent in the world, had his issues, but kind of washed out of the NBA. He's now playing overseas and he's doing fantastically. So um, something to take, you know, take a, take a look at if you guys have the opportunity. And now there's, he's staying healthy. The knees aren't giving out too. We're seeing a lot of what he could have possibly done as well too, but yeah. that's going to do it for this week's episode of the high low sports podcast. We appreciate y'all for joining us. We too talk a little bit about sports. We appreciate you seeing you live with us on Wednesday, or if you check us out later on one of your favorite places to catch podcasts or on YouTube as well. Be sure to subscribe, follow us for Tier Tuesdays. Every Tuesday, we're your Tier the NFL team. You can catch that on our YouTube page. Check in for DJ's Best Bets every Saturday on our social media pages and Fantasy Fridays to help get your fantasy football teams ready for the weekend ahead. Hopefully, you don't get disappointed like mine. I've kind of done a little bit, too, where I play the wrong guy consistently. So definitely be sure to follow us on all major accounts, too. We appreciate you all for joining us.